Hey, 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 good morning, Saturday morning, podcasting par excellence, par excellence, here we are, bud, and uh, it's almost 8 o'clock, 57 degrees, 24% humidity, dew point was already checked at 21.9, so very dry, cool day in Arizona, 57, it's probably going up in the 70s today, and that'll be nice. October, no, November. We're November 2nd already. Yeah, yeah. November 2nd. So I was pitched another framework on Facebook last night. There's lots of frameworks out there. Pretty exciting, right? Get another framework. So um, I'm going to try the framework out on this podcast, actually. Um, And uh, because I'm a quick learner, right? Aren't we all? Can you be a quick learner? Yes, you are a quick learner, right? So I'm going to try, uh, maybe I'll do like a five-minute run through of the new framework. And then I'll comment on the framework and see if you you notice it. Because I'm, I'm putting into practice right away. I'm taking massive action right away. So with that, it's uh, sunny. And I've been doing these podcasts for a while. As you know, they're basically my thoughts, random thoughts. They're about me, but they're also about you, right? It's that uh, that, that dilemma. It's not really a dilemma. What is that word? It's kind of ironic, right? It's a definitely about me, but it's about you too, because we share the common life that we have here, the breathing, the breathing. <sighs> Deep breath, yes, wherever you are, wherever you are on the planet. So the reason I'm doing this is my frustration with organized religion, right? That's my my lifelong struggle, so so to speak. And it's not a constant struggle. I mean, it, it may seem like it based on these podcasts, but... Basically, the choice is already that, well, people can get frustrated with organized religion. And then many, many people just are like, okay, I check out. I'm done. This ain't working for me or I just don't get it or it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> but I'm in it. You know, I'm kind of in this world because I, I just have known that the, the message has become true to me. But somehow people mess it up. So you get discouraged, and that's my discouragement. And um, but I still have hope. I'm still moving ahead, figuring things out. And uh, yeah, it's not it's, it's a lonely um, process so far because I'm not able to articulate it that well. But again, so here today, this morning, I. Uh, I'm doing my reading plan. So I uh, have this idea that uh, somehow we've gone astray, right? So uh, I'll go with the, yeah, this is God's word. This is the scripture, right? So I'm on top of it. But instead of treating it as an academic text, I'm backing off to the, hey, what? how did these things come about, right? And so that's where all these aha moments come in. It's like, oh, wait, oh, oh, you mean 
Yeah. Oh, Paul. Yeah. Oh, Saul. Yeah. Get it. He's talked about an axe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what's going on? It's like, oh, he, oh yeah. Okay. So he's, he's a guy that uh, did a lot of stuff, right? And it's not that he just wrote a bunch of books and letters and stuff. It's just in there. But it seems like it's like mist. It's been there the whole time. It's like, why is this guy's stuff in here? He, he writes, you know, people will throw out and say, oh, yeah, Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. And, and I'm not going on quantity of words. I'm just like, okay, what, what is this guy? So I decided to follow him. Like, let's, let's just follow what he says. Like, not, not like by pulling verses out, but like follow his journey. I mean, people have made maps. So some of the stuff I'm saying is not new, of course. This has been there the whole time. It's just that I'm processing it on my own. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to read somebody else's comment about something. I'm going to just go with it. So I was just kind of surprised at how refreshing or, or just a different view of the same things has made a difference. So in other words... This guy, Paul, Saul, was Saul, attacking Christians. He writes all this wonderful stuff. And on Sundays all over the world, could be Roman Catholic Church, could be Lutheran Church, Presbyterian, Baptist, we read portions of what he writes. Almost for sure will happen. And I lined him up. I was like, well, okay, well, looks like First and Second Thessalonians are the first letters that Paul wrote. And why do I know that? Well, you can look at Acts and you can see how he traveled, like what happened to him. And you follow that. So I'm like, well, why don't I read Acts first, you know, and do that. Follow the story. And then I go, oh, okay, well, he's over here at Thessalonians. Oh, and then he's in, uh, he was in Philippi and he, he got kicked out of there and went to there. And he's like, follow him around, right? And it turns out he wrote, to these people back, you know, like if he'd visit there and wrote, wrote different things. And there's, there's a connection, like connect the dots of why he's writing and to whom. And then um, I, I consider that he doesn't have a MacBook Pro, right? He's writing probably with his hand. He often says, this is by my own hand. So he doesn't really get to edit things very much. And he just writes... Uh, things from his heart that he feels like he should tell people or talk to people about, and he does it. And today, now we say, you know, we go, oh, that's the inerrant inspired word of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm, I'm with that. It's just that I don't think that you ignore the fact that he's traveling around, he's experiencing things, things are happening in his life that influence his thoughts. And I'm saying, and and. Paul never ever believes that what he's writing is the inspired word of God. He's just writing. In fact, that's why a couple of times I, I laugh now when he says, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. So, so, so if he thought that his words were the inspired inerrant word of God, he wouldn't be saying, I'm not lying. He'd be saying, Oh, well, guess what, guys? Uh, I'm a really special guy here, and these words I'm writing to you now, they're, the, uh, they're actually the inherent word of God, and I've kind of like 
went into this trance and just kind of magically wrote all this stuff down for you so that in 2019, you can be assured that you can take any verse anywhere and apply it to situations. So, but that doesn't work really, in my opinion. But my opinion is to look at it like, okay, you wrote it. What's the situation? What's the situation? So this morning I was reading Hebrews and uh, I believe it's Paul. And he's talking about the witnesses and how God spoke to the prophets in the past. So that would be through the Jewish people. And, uh, and, and then he refers to those that um, were with Jesus when he was on earth and spoke and things. So he, there's witnesses. So I'm just following the story, folks. So that, that's the content for today is just the, it's there. It's there for you. It's not that hard to read yourself. So the call to action is, is line up your um, reading. So why not? Why not just lay it out there? Take some time, 30 minutes a day, read through it, and see what comes to you. We've, I, I get the feeling we've just, we've made this whole religion, Christianity, so complex. And we have these speakers that want to influence us with their agenda, their vision. But the actual message, message is that God sent his Holy Spirit here to have a relationship with us and can guide us into what we're here to do. We're all each here. We all have gifts, different gifts, different experiences, different life experiences, and we can be called to use those to serve others. So I say start with there. You know, you can go, you can listen to podcasts, you can sign up for courses, you can do all kinds of things. And those things are good, you know, getting coaching for different things. But, uh, yeah, this is a start for you. And I'll, I'll help if you don't really get it or not, not that you don't get it, but if it's a little bit odd to you, I'll, I'm here to help, right? So um, I'm, I'm getting on board with the concept of the coaching. So I just end with the story of the... My journey is kind of dependent on, I would say, I don't know if it's dependent, but I have this one coach who I just have to thank for sticking with me and help encouraging me to work out this message, work out what I'm kind of here to do. And for me, it's writing. I need to write this stuff down because I, I have so many thoughts. If you listen to the podcast, you know that it's kind of, Random, of course, but there's some real gems in here. I feel like I'm sitting on some gems. <laughs> not, not that I'm special, it's just I'm listening. And uh, I kind of joke now, I'm like the guide to the guide. Because the real guide is God, the Holy Spirit. And we just haven't understood it yet. I, I still haven't really, I'm not looking for anyone now to provide the the teaching on this kind of thing. Because I not a it's sort of like a it's like teaching people to how to work out 
Like I go back to that example. You can watch videos. You can see some dude that's like really fit or gal. Some do that. And they're telling you like what you got to do. And you watch them. You get pumped up and you're all emotional. And it's like, yeah, great video. I'm going to go to the gym. But nothing really changes until you go to the gym. It's all in your head. And I'm one of the most heady in your head people on the planet, probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am so in my head. It's annoying to others and to, me, to myself, really. But uh, yeah, so go to the. I'm not going to hype you up and say, oh, yeah, you got to, you know, believe me. It's not about me. It's about you. Right. So I'm a guide to the guide. And I told you what to do. And there's good reasons for it. And I just honor the coach who's helped me write this book because I'm not there yet. It is marinating. It is gelling. It's going to be better because of all these podcasts. It's going to be better because I'm just working through it. And that's what uh, this short podcast is about. So thanks for listening. Okay, so now that was the new framework in a way. That's a framework. So what it, the, the framework is story braid. So coincidentally, I've been reading the book. I mean, I, I'm into the build a story brand. But there's a new business, guys, that do uh, story braid. And unfortunately, I watched a few videos on it last night. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm excited. It's good. I'm hyper, hyper responsive. Oh yeah. Hyper responsive. And, uh, it's great. And I look at it I'm like, okay, I really don't understand what the braid is yet though. So I would, you know, here I am criticizing the marketing already. <laughs> Cause I listened to the videos. I got the model and I'm going to share the framework that, that, that they love the framework, which is okay. It's good. Everybody loves that framework. And the framework is opening heart. So opening heart. So if you basically break the thing down into four parts of your message. So I loosely attempted to give you a little opening heart and do some content. Morning. That's like your head. So they start out with a little little image of a heart, the opening heart, a story. It gets connection with your listener, reader, right? A little opening heart. Then go ahead and some content. That's like the head. The head, content, knowledge. So I, I attempted to do a little of that for you. And then the hand. Yeah, the call to action. Call to action. So I gently gave a little call to action to go do this yourself, right? And then I close with a story about how my journey, my um, little heart goes out to coaches, right? A coach on the writing world. And uh, so I don't know if that was effective. Was that noticeable? Was it better? Is it just like awesome? Are you like jumping out of your seats going like, wow, wow, that is like the most awesome podcast, the, the most awesome five minutes of podcasting I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so, 
and I'm so cynical. Maybe I'm self-sabotaging right now. But that, that's the framework, right? So like you can, you know, you can pump up an audience, speak, you know, and people apply it. And I'm just so resistive, resistive, resistant, resistance, the word, to formulas, you know. But I should probably just like give it up and go with the formula. But not give it up. It just means go ahead and use the framework. It's not bad. It's a little different than build a story brand, which that re- that resonates with me more. But they're very similar, just a little different. <laughs> so, so choose your frameworks, right? I kind of like the hero and guide framework. Anyways, that's not that's not part of the story braid framework. Of course, that's four part um, framework, which uh, now I get in. Now this is the philosophical part of the podcast. So, is there a difference between the frameworks? Well, yeah, obviously you can point out the differences. But do they overlap? Yeah, that's what I would say. They definitely overlap. And is it true when you watch the hyped up, pumped up video about Story Braid last night that they're like, oh, this, these speakers are using this Story Braid. Man, when I switched to that framework, oh, man, my business took off. Yes, it took off. I'm so cynical. And all we're, you know, now, you know, listen to this incredible story. Did you know that I went to, you know, you can use this story braid framework in every one of your conversations. So that's why I kind of tried to do it this morning. So this is a live example of putting a framework into practice as best I could. Now, could I get better at the framework? Of course. I mean, I think I probably got about 80% of it, right? So from here, it's just more clean techniques and, and, and probably focusing in on, well, what is the actual content? And what is a better call to action than just go lift the weights, right? And uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm like, okay, cool, good, you know. And then, of course, you watch the videos, the marketing videos to try to sell you to get into the program. It's all like hype and how awesome it is, right? Which is good. Abundance mentality, man. I'm learning that from the coach. Shout out to the coach. Just get the abundance. Winners. Why can't everybody be a winner? So what works? What framework works for you? And I think a lot of us are so cynical these days or forever that we just don't want to trust people and is the level of trust like in order to shell out 2,000 bucks or whatever or something there's a level of trust there that you got to reach and uh, well first of all you've got to have 2,000 bucks to shell out which not everybody has and uh, and yet it's good stuff, good teaching. So can I story braid, use the thing without paying them two thousand bucks to get the further training? I think I I can. I can just I can incorporate it into build a story brand. 
and they do overlap, like I say. And and even this coach I'm working with on writing a book, she's getting better and better at coaching and better at creating a system of, of uh, a team of people that follow her vision of self-publishing and building back-end businesses. And I've been kind of doubtful of the whole thing the whole way. I don't know if it's doubtful, but I'm just so critical. I mean, that's my that's like my core competency is to be critical. And I and and I do it and not in a uh, I've I've changed over the years. I'm being I want to be loving so I can be critical of things. I'm not being critical of her as a person. I'm in fact I I I appreciate what she does, right? And not everybody, everybody has a different perspective. So I don't even know, I don't even know like more than 1% of her experience. I think she's probably, she, she's got that up at dawn pride swallowing siege that she will never tell me about life because she's had some negative experiences, right? You're dealing with the public. That's what's so sad in a way. You can't, you can't avoid it, right? That you're dealing with the public snark shit you know how many people there's like people way worse than i am with snark right because <laughs> because my snark is really loving in a way it's like ironic right I, I, if you know me then then you know i'm not i'm not angry with the person it's this i'm i'm just commenting like we can make this better you can do this better and so this uh woman that does the the, the business on self-publishing it's like abundance mentality is great i want her to be successful i love it and so it's she's indirectly teaching me that even though that's not her objective her objective is to help me get my message out help me publish a book help me build a business and i'm just cautious or whatever about it so she's really cool about it i have to give her a lot of credit but i'm back to like i don't even know them more i just i one time she kind of hinted at a bad experience with one you know client and then it was like oh okay so not everybody is so happy happy (laughs) with her work so she probably gets criticized she probably gets bad experiences she probably has misunderstandings she has people expecting more from her than she's um going to deliver right you know and then people we all want to blame somebody so if we have a little bad experience or does something doesn't turn out well isn't that the easiest thing to do is blame your coach you that you know blame somebody else instead of owning it right so i i really appreciate her i hope uh, to uh Keep going, you know, with uh, that. That morning. Oh, Bob, you're so angry. What's you? Don't be so angry, buddy. <laughs> Come on, Bob. That was uncalled for. Right in the middle of some good, good podcasting, right? Some good podcasting, and you had to bark it out. No, come on now, bud. There you go. Shake it off. Get over it. Bud. 
All right. So, yeah, I was just saying. Uh, yeah. So she's she probably she literally probably has an up at dawn pride swallowing siege life that she will never fully tell me about. <laughs> and, and, and and then she won't be able to express it. But then there's a, there's a good thing. So she probably like looks at all the good. Because it is good. It's all good. People get a book out, you know, get their first book out. It's real exciting. But from there, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's that messaging and connecting. And people just won't get it. That's why I kind of like the story brand. It's, it's the emphasis is on clarifying the message. And that's probably in the other framework too. If you sign up for the course, I probably talk about that too. Clarifying the message and your content has to be really clear. Your opening heart can be, you know, story that's related to the content. And then your call to action, what are you offering? What's your offer to people? So it's all good. Both frameworks are good. And, and it's probably it's probably better to mix things up. You know, put a, include some of all of that in there. So now, even though this podcast, I had the beginning five or six minutes where I tried to get a complete framework in, and now I'm philosophizing and talking about that framework, I'm still back to the other framework, which is you're the hero, right? You're listening to the podcast. And I, I want to deliver uh, value to you. I mean respect the audience and uh so that's why for me my message is that holy spirit concept and i suppose the i've been told this by her the whole time it's like your audience michael is not everybody <laughs> Your audience is not all 7.7 billion people on the planet, right? So my audience might be much smaller, like start with one. <laughs> and that's what this podcast is. It has one. And sometimes that one is me in the gym listening to myself again, which, again, she told me to, to do that. I mean, I'm listening. She's like, yeah, Mike, you don't listen to any of these podcasts? You don't listen to them? I'm like, no. I just like put it out there. And now I do listen to them again. So I think that oh, maybe that shows some sign of improvement in the podcast. And uh, so where was I going? The hero. The hero. So there's uh, life. God is good. Gracious. So the call to action in my case is kind of in the story brand thing is like, well, if you don't follow the guide, then you know it's going to result in bad things. And my belief is that, I mean, God is so much grace, full of grace, than any human being can possibly be full of grace, right? So, you know, a lot of pastors and spiritual leaders will encourage you. That, oh, everything's going to be fine. You know, just start today and 
no, don't, you know, get over the past and move forward and, you know, so, so like the, the, there is no, and I don't believe there's like a hell, like, I mean, there might be a hell, but I think it might be for the spiritual beings that are, have been working against God for 2000 years. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's controversial. I don't know the answer, but, um, I don't know if we need to know the answer. And I don't think scaring people into any kind of action by saying, well, you better do this because otherwise you're going to go to hell. I think that's like really a stupid um, message. <laughs> so, <laughs> because if the message is that we're talking about a relationship with God, a God, right? You know, you look up and you see blue skies and creation. I'm walking. I got a dog here. It's all created. I didn't create any of this. No human created it. It's just a mystery. So that's how big the message is. The message is much bigger than if you don't do what I say or what I'm preaching, if you don't follow today, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> a lot of people respond to that message. They do. They do. But is the, is the response to that just a, a first step towards going deeper? You know, the first step to then moving to a better level? It might be. So maybe there's not, it's not all bad. I mean, um, it's not my thing, but that that's probably re- revealing that if your church is stuck in that beginning stages, you're just not going to grow. And, and that's not, it's not that growth, your growth is not like, I don't know, what's the word for it? Or what's, what am I trying to say? It's not, the objective isn't like for, for you to sit back and go like, yeah, I grow. I was growing. I grew now. Yeah, I'm leaving this church because I just can't grow. So I'm going to leave this church. Yeah. But if the church would have that Gaussian distribution view that, hey, we're all in process. And I I think my John Orberg church guy in Menlo Park, California, I think he's got a pretty good tagline right now for his church. It's like, oh gosh, I wish I could remember it better. But it's something like, nobody's perfect. Everybody's welcome. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's something something like that. But I, I like that nobody's perfect, everybody's welcome. Those two. There's a third, third item. I should probably look it up, and I'll do it for the next podcast. But the important thing is, is like, what is the organization's view on situations, life, etc.? If they don't have a Gaussian distribution that we're all in process, that we're all in different stages, and it's not black and white, like you have to have. A list of five people that you know that are far from God. And in that that gets translated into are going to hell. Five people that are going to hell if they don't um, nod their head and go, oh, okay, your gospel that you're telling me, this is the gospel. Oh, okay. The gospel. That's why I call it the gospel. Because they're getting people signed up to their view of the world. And the, humi- the humility or the humble way 
to look at it is, yeah, this stuff happened. Pretty amazing, right? We, we, we believe God sent his son, a, a, a relationship, a spiritual soul being, and put him in the form of our human flesh, which is fucked up, really, right? The whole world is fucked up. And, we, and, and, and the message is that it ain't getting better. It's not, God's not asking us to fix this place because he's, he's just, it's, just, it's permanently fucked, okay? So that's a little bit of where I differ with Rob Bell. He seems to, seems to think that we can magically um, select the correct political leaders and the whole world will be better. But, there ha- but Rob forgets that there's like 1.4 billion Chinese people and another billion Indian people that are never going to listen to what he has to say. They're never going to listen to it. You know? Maybe they will. I don't know. I doubt it. But the, it's, it, it's not the, the point three billion Americans who have a leader named Trump that ain't going to change the billions of people in China and India. So why get political, man? Why? Let it go. Because don't, don't you, aren't you sitting on a message that's been there the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. It's been there the whole time. Raise a glass. Yes. Yes. By the way, that last little segment was all copying phrases that Rob said. And uh, what do they call that? The sincerest form of flattery. So there you go. No, he's a good dude. Good dude. But uh, again, the message, what is it? So I'm saying back to forget Rob Bell for, for now. And uh, I guess if I was editing, I would edit that out. But I don't edit. I don't have it. So... Um, you just have to use your brain a little bit more and figure out like how to deal with that last, last segment because I'm not editing it out. But um, the the point being is the real point is like okay, we're all dying. Everyone dies. I mean that's like we it's the, it's the fact that people ignore. We get older, right? You're 30, you don't think about it. You're 40, you still don't think about it. 50, you eh, maybe think about it. Start getting closer to 60 now, you're going, okay, we all die. All right. I guess I got to go down this path of death. So what do we know from history? Well, there was a guy they claimed was God. And he talked about, did amazing things and impacted people. And the story is that he was crucified and rose again from the dead. And then ascended to heaven. But raising from the dead right there is like, oh, wait, so so yeah, there's actually a possibility that we don't die? Yeah, and they had that Lazarus dude. He was risen from the dead. People saw that, you know? And, uh, I mean, he eventually died again because that's the human condition. This place is temporary. So what's the, the purpose? Is it to accumulate massive quantities of cash. I mean, that's kind of like the, the general 
um, push in a lot of things. You know, people are selling stuff. People are marketing things. And I guess it's not bad. I mean, when people respond, people buy cigarettes, co- um, coffee, they buy um, beer and wine and liquor and stuff. You know, it's, what's the value in that? Some kind of value. It's a temporal, temporal um, joy experience. So we're buying experiences, I suppose. And uh, messaging that, framing it, packaging the message, clarity. That's that's good. It's all right. Um, but where where was I going? Because I was like. It's not up to religious leaders to really change your life. You know, they're, they're, they, it comes across to me in my critical watching is that they're not, they're teaching more than they're coaching. That's how I would summarize it. There's just not enough spiritual coaching. It's more like, here's the message. Here's the right behavior. Get your five people that are going to hell. Because it's almost like they force into the framework of, well, what's the negative consequences of not listening to what I'm telling you? Well, the negative consequences are you're going to hell. You're going to hell. (laughs) That doesn't seem to me to be what God was doing with, with Jesus. Because he, at one point he says, like, that you may have life and have it abundantly. So how do you have abundant life, abundant thinking right now, today? So the, the, the now what, as I'm getting ready to walk into the house here, we got a few more minutes, but the now what is living abundantly now. It's been spoken of, promised. And is it just simply a a mind set to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live abundantly today. I'm going to live abundantly. I'm going to have abundant mentality, abundance. You know, this is abundant, abundance, abundance. And, uh, yeah. Acme locksmiths. All right. Have a good day. Sorry, just coincidentally seeing it. Acme locksmith truck. So I could have started my own locksmith franchise, but I didn't. I just felt like little, not quite the territory's distribution was quite right. So you either fix that or I don't do it. And they would fix it, so I didn't do it. <laughs> Otherwise, that locksmith back there probably would have been a flying locksmith guy doing the job. But that's how it is, man. You know, it wasn't meant to be the flying locksmiths. So, um, and I, I had a sense that if I jumped in there, I'd just like be locksmith head, you know, 24 seven locksmith head. And I'd probably be just chasing after another lock to change for a hundred bucks. 
and that's not my calling apparently. <laughs> my, my calling is not to uh, do locksmithing. And uh, so Bud sees something in the lawn. I don't know what he, there's some leaves or something over here. He's gonna try to eat one of these things. He's sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. Hi, bud. Come on, bud. Let's go. Uh, and so the now what is owning your spirituality, and it's a bit, it's a bit tough because you might feel like. Um, torn between a choice. Maybe that's what I'm working through. There's the organized church has it like whatever percentage you want to call it. 60% right, 80% right, no more than 90 probably. So but since they're not going to get it right for you, whether it's you're gifted a certain way and there's no place for you to serve in your local organized church group um, or some other reason. You, it's still a personal responsibility owning the relationship with God, not, not using a priest. So I guess that's one of the messages of Hebrews now that I'm just starting out chapter two is Paul's making a case that it's Jesus is the high priest. So they, you know, changing from the Jewish religion, relying on man because God wasn't present uh, directly. So we had the priests, did the sacrifices, which is all symbolic of the coming Christ, the Lamb of God. And uh, he's our sacrifice but he's also living alive and he also said he was going to send his holy spirit and that is the trick but now what is how are you relating to the holy spirit you've got good solid thousands of years of, t of teaching in the word and the scriptures and maybe people haven't pointed it out well enough or figured it out and that's what we're doing. We can do that kind of on your own. It's probably better to do it with other people who are thinking along the same lines, but it's just not right to create another church to me. And I may have talked about this unchurching organization, but it's just another reformation, right? And that's my whole thing. It's like, We've had 500 years of reformation trying to get the church right. And now let's switch to personal transformation, our own transformation. Forget trying to get the systems, the organizations, the leaders, trying to get them right. Let's get ourselves right and have the mindset of, of uh, changing ourselves and walking in the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, and self-control. So 
that's the fruit of the Spirit. And may you now see that in your relationships. Oh, and I have another term. I'm working on a term called the opposite of microaggressions. So microaggressions are like people do stuff and then they get they trigger you or you get ticked off. So what's the opposite of a microaggression? And by that, I mean opposite as in, can we come up with something like micro love, micro experience? And I kind of stumbled on this talking in a podcast about um, it doesn't take much to express love, right? You can just take five seconds, look at your child in the eye, smile, and be attentive to them for five seconds, 10 seconds. It makes a difference. And then for them, and then that would be some kind of micro, instead of a microaggression, it's a micro giving of love. And if you build a lot of micro loves, you're just going to have a wonderful day, right? If you micro love a lot of people, whatever, whatever that is. So may that be impactful. May your now what? May your call to action be to walk in the spirit. And you can work that out. You don't need me to tell you what that is. I can't. I'm just a guide to the guide. All right. So have a great day. As the scripture says, as Paul says quite often, may you experience or be filled with grace and peace. And may you have some mercy in your life, the mystery of goodness that comes your way. So I think, you know, people say we, we see what we want to see in situations. So that is a transformation that others can't bring on you, except we have to do it ourselves. And it's Gaussian. We're never going to get there. We're never going to make it all the way. So have a wonderful day. Um, and let me know somehow if that framework made any sense. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Are you there? Uh, third time's the charm? Third, What's going on yes. here? Yes, yes. Uh, more technology commentary in a moment. But let's get the listener up to speed. This is Buddy's <laughs> This is Buddy's owner's Arizona Schnoodlewalks with our guest today, General Lee. Well, Welcome. you know, I'm glad to be here, I think. <laughs> it's an ambushed, uh, what do we call this, uh, spontaneous podcast, almost yeah. spontaneous. Well, but you anyway. know, that- that doesn't that doesn't work well for me. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm unfortunately I'm I walk my dog regelmäßig, as they say in German, regularly. Right. right. And and isn't the German words aren't they so much fun? Like regelmäßig. Oh, regelmäßig. Yeah, they're um, uh, German uh, group on Friday evening, and uh, it's uh it's it's quite quite entertaining. But maybe mostly there was only one actual. Uh, Wasch echt Deutsche. A of them were, were various and sundry. Some guy, some uh, elderly gentleman from, um, from Long Island who doesn't speak German but just thinks it's fun hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be fun hanging out. Well, and, and uh, man, there's so many philosophical concepts just from saying the word 
Regel Masik, right? And and and, and the German and the German words. I mean, I think they there's it's a homogeneous language to some extent. So that and it's like now it makes me think of emojis. I don't know about you, but I hate smiley face emojis because like I don't know what the hell. What are you trying to say? Well, you and you, and well then, a lot of times the emojis don't translate across operating systems. So when well, you, I, you have an iPhone and you send me an emoji on my Android. What I received may or may not look what like what you sent. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. I'm like I'm like the anti emoji because I'm like I really don't know what the fuck you're trying to say, dude. Well, it's a <laughs> it, it's a it's an effort. Resistance is futile, isn't that the line from I forget what what famous uh, famous or infamous production that's from yeah yeah it's futile so uh yeah we you know we did this podcast once before and it seemed to work a little better technically like the technology seemed to work more seamlessly i think it was this this app was designed the only complaint i have about this is um i would prefer to do this through my computer it's just an easier setup for me and Okay. Okay. I can click on. Well, I can click on the when you start this, this uh, when you start this app and, and a new a new broadcast. I can click on it on my computer, but it wants me. It, it's like, uh, well, have you downloaded the app? It's, if I can do it through the computer, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. So. Well, maybe maybe this this app has been around for a couple of years, and they just got sold to Spotify. So oh, I, you know, there's some. There's some big, there's some big to do's going on around us. And we, you know, we just, we're just using the technology. And, and the reason I think I broke up there is I was originally by my house on Wi-Fi, Uh, And then when I walked and I walked away from the house, I switched over to 5G. And I think that's why we got disconnected. I got it. Let me see something. So, so I normally do these podcasts by myself and they seem to work fine when I walk the dog on 5G. But now we're adding the complexity of us of a another voice input, right? Okay. You know, I'm going to try something, a little experiment here. I'm going to try to log in on my computer and see how far I get. But while we're, we're chatting, okay. you're talking okay. about uh, German words uh, the, and the, the homogeneousness of it. Um, it's to me, it's been unfortunate. There's, there's been. Uh, there's been a lot of Anglo- anglicization, anglicizing of, of German. They've adopted a lot of English words. Morning. And the and the challenge the challenge for me is if I go to look up a word and I want to translate it in, into German, it, it just it just keeps the English word instead of what I may have known or have heard that the Germans had a word for. They've adopted a lot of that. But the other thing that to me is kind of unique to German is the German long word where, you know, the combination of words where for and a prime example is, you know, maybe, maybe you ask your wife, can you drop by the post office and pick up a couple of uh, passport application forms? Yeah. Yeah. Germans throw all that together and call it the Sonntagsfamilar. <laughs> if you try to, well, if, you, I, if you see that in writing, I mean, it's perfectly legitimate, and every German knows what it is. But if you see it in writing and go to a 
to a Langenscheid or a Varek dictionary and look up Reisepass Antox formula, you're not going to find it. <laughs> so you've got, yeah. you got to break it down. It's, it's, uh, whether it's unique to German, I don't know, but I, it's, it's the only language I know that, that does that. Um, and for a long time, they're, they're really, the long German word was Donaldamschafatzgesellschaftskapitän, which is the Danube Steamship Navigation Company captain. It's all one strung out yeah, word with yeah. letters. Yeah, and I think there, there might be some logic behind this, the way they form these things, because I don't know, I'm getting the feeling like Germans are just very short. Like, you know, like the general impression might be like, well, Germans don't say many words. And they, that's because I think they, they, for some reason, they must have some kind of idea that we, it's a noun. We're talking about a form. So all the shit that you talk about around it doesn't matter. At the end, at the bottom line is you want your wife to get a form and fill it out. So we're just going to group it all together. It's one word, no bullshit. There it is. Get the form, fill it out. I think that's why I'm, I'm wondering if that's culturally why Germans are so like they're all about efficiency and stuff because their language kind of forces them into that kind of thinking. What do you think? <laughs> oh, did I lose you? My phone goes to sleep and when it does, I lose this. So, oh. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so if you, you know, you know, of course, the, the thing that adds complexity to this is that all all the German nouns uh, have are capitalized. They all have have you know, each noun has an article. It's either masculine, feminine, or neuter. So when you string all these nouns together, you say, well, which of these articles I can take masculine, feminine, and neuter nouns and string them together? Well, who wins the who wins the article argument? Yeah, it's, yeah. Out, it's, yeah. Last, it's the last noun in the grouping that that prevails with the, with its article. It's like well, then there's then then you get into the case language, right? They, they people talk about the case language, yeah, which right. is a Latin thing, and so dare becomes Dane or yeah. Dame, depending on the situation uh, and stuff. Not, not so, the, yeah, dative and genitive case, and and we have those in English that, too. We yeah. just don't spend a lot of time talking about them because the articles don't change in the case in English. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I you know, and I'm uh, thanks for the you know, this is we haven't really gotten into the habit of podcasting although we have a history of this kind of thing uh, yeah i guess we do <laughs> um and, and technically for good podcasting like we you have a sense for it like hey we should only be on for 20 minutes of this kind of thing right, right. well people have people have taken the podcasting to a howdy to a huge level of like well this is how you do a good podcast you know so there's like a formula for a good podcast which I'm a rebel contrarian dude. So I find all that stuff to be interesting, probably valid, but I don't give a crap. We do our own thing here. This is, this is, we do what we want. Right. So in other words, I'm not sitting at a computer anymore with a headset on with like an HD headset. I'm walking my dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like real life real life podcasting so our, really teeing up the program we should have like what are we going to cover today right <laughs> yeah, right well, it's, you know, it's, it's late it's mid 20th century science fiction has come come full circle you know you're, you're able to 
to connect, reach out and touch someone literally any time, day or night. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, let's, we should talk about the Georgia football game versus Florida. I'm assuming you watched that, right? I watched parts of it. Yeah. Just, just parts? Just yeah. parts of it? Yeah, well, there were, I, I was, that, that was like the best game of the day yesterday, right? That wasn't the only game on TV yesterday. So. But I mean, you know, I, I thought, well, this Georgia, I know, I don't think you care for the Georgia Bulldogs much. I don't know. Who are you rooting for? Generally, generally not. <laughs> But what, how yeah. about the Gators, though? I find, they, I find, they... I find them all insufferable. <laughs> so you, was that kind of a game that, like, you didn't care who lost? Well, no, traditionally, I mean, it's, it's quite a tradition. Um, see, the, that game, with a couple of exceptions, uh, has, in my lifetime, been played at the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, which is, uh, you know, not, neither, neither school hosts the game, and they alternate home and away. Who, who gets to be the home team? Um, okay, and and it's um, it, it for years was dubbed the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, okay, but uh, you know the PC crowd got in there and said that's not the message you want to send to our young people. So the people <laughs> who participate still call it that, but you won't hear them saying that on the television. They they've dispensed with that. I think it sends a bad message. I'm like. Okay, whatever, whatever. It's not going to keep people from bringing their, their Jack Daniels and Budweiser. I can assure you that. Um, so, so did they move it to the university stadium this time? Well, no, uh, it was still it was back there. But I, it seems like back in the, back in the nineteen eighties or nineties, they they started, they were trying to bring it back to a home and home and home series. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I think the fan base, particularly you know, those that participated, really um, raised raised a ruckus about it because of what you were seeing, particularly for the many of the Georgia fans, they would travel down to the coast of Georgia, many of them on Thursday, and yeah, and rent and rent a condo for the weekend. So they travel down. Okay. They take Friday off. They travel down Thursday. They got all day Friday. They go play a couple rounds of golf. You know, do do low country boils and grilled ribs and all this sort of stuff, and they get up Saturday morning. They're an hour and a half from Jacksonville. You know, if they're in, if they're on Jekyll Island or St. Simon's Island, uh, they're seventy miles yeah. from Jacksonville. Hit ninety five, go to Jacksonville, go to the game, come back to the island, hopefully with you know a victory celebration, and uh, yeah, get, yeah. Get, up, get up Sunday and go back, go back to. <laughs> to their homes across the state and by Wednesday there's somewhat sense of normalcy, you know, in their life. <laughs> yeah. They they show up hungover on Monday and Tuesday, they're recovering from Monday's hangover recovery. And uh, Okay. And and that you know, it's been a tradition. People were doing there were people that bought condominiums on those islands just so they would have them for that weekend. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Okay. And of course, you know, and, and, yeah. it's a big economic. You know, the, the city of Jacksonville, obviously, uh, you know, you, you got seventy thousand people that show up. Well, that's a pretty good economic boost because they're they're bringing wads of money. And yeah, and these yeah. these condos, Amelia Island and Jekyll Island and Saint Simon's Island. I mean, probably even some people go to Savannah and drive down to Jacksonville. It's a little longer ride, but. Uh, so that start- game that I was watching, that game I was watching on TV yesterday was actually in Jacksonville. Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl. Yeah. 
and uh, it was there because huh? it looked to me a little bit from the TV that it was like a college stadium, uh-huh. not like a not like a Gator Bowl stadium. Because uh-huh. when you say Gator Bowl, is that actually like a New Year's Eve stadium? Well, the, no. Gator, the Gator Bowl traditionally was a, was a, a New Year's a New Year's Eve, I believe, or the week right at the week before. New I don't think it was ever a New Year's Day game. There were you know there were four New Year's Day games originally. There was uh, the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and the Orange Bowl. Those were the four New Year's Day, the big ones, the big four uh, okay. college okay. games. Uh, the Gator Bowl okay. never was in there, but the Gator Bowl usually was the it was towards the end. It was a build up to that. Uh, it was either paid Would it off. Be a, like a was that like a December game, like after Christmas? Yeah, late December. Yeah, yeah, late late December. You know, people go and have Christmas, and then they can pack up and head off to Jacksonville to the Gator Bowl. And it was usually you know the December thirtieth or even even uh, New Year's Eve. You know. They, uh, they would play, but but you know, years uh, stadium this is, uh, is a pretty big stadium. Yeah, I, I don't know, and and something in the back of my mind says that they they either tore down the old Gator Bowl and built a new one, or this this may be a more modern stadium than what was there. But it was for years and years, for decades, it was it was a uh, it was the Georgia Florida weekend was in Jacksonville at the Gator Bowl. But you know, Alabama and Auburn uh, did the same thing for years. They used to play in Birmingham. Instead of, instead of having a home and away okay. series, Tuscaloosa and Auburn, they would play in Birmingham, and that went on for years. But now they've they've switched back to to a home and away series, and that's been well. How was that Birmingham Stadium? Was it a bigger, I mean, I don't, nicer stadium? Well, the Tuscaloosa, the, the stadium in Tuscaloosa holds, I think, ninety two thousand. So, um, and the University of Alabama has a they have a spring game, you know, usually April spring game. And they fill up that ninety-two thousand seat stadium for for just an intra it's an intra squad scrimmage. Yeah. That's that's how. We're... Okay, well, all right. So, so we 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 touched on some college football. We can talk about that a little bit. I the listener may not be that interested in it, but what I want to point out is, you know, it's an interest to you, to the general. This is what this is one of the things you do on Saturday. I would imagine is watch college football, right? That that's meaningful to you, right? Hello. Dang. Now my phone goes to sleep, and when it goes to sleep, it <laughs> cuts off the yeah the uh, okay. Uh, I need to somehow. Oh yeah, yeah. Still I still hear, hear you, me, but, but it, but it, it disables me? my microphone. Okay. Um, the uh, yeah, but I, I'll watch. Okay. I mean, last night BYU was playing. I don't even know Utah State or something. I don't know. I'll watch games. I, mean, I have no interest. You know, Hawaii's okay. playing Fresno State. I don't have any interest in either of those teams, but I'll watch them. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Well, so 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 to bring so to bring the listener in who is probably not an, an aficionado, or aficionado, that, aficionado yeah. of the of the college game. There's there. I mean, there's a large following of college football, but the the the, the main emphasis of this podcast is not so much about any particular we don't right now we don't have a theme other than total sarcasm yeah, and bullshit it's a prerequisite I mean, <laughs> and and to yeah. me i kind of like that theme you know because we're we can talk about anything that's what we used to do we realized we could talk about yeah, anything but, right but we're not going to no, i don't think so either because that, people right? they, they don't want to just listen to a couple of old guys ramble about various and sundry things that <laughs> Although it's it's an eclectic list of things, uh, 
Well, I, see, this is what I this is where I'm kind of going towards like the anti podcast formula shit. Now, we're swimming upstream here, right? I mean, we're we're going against the grain, right? Because everyone was going to say, "Oh no, you can't do that. You can't just like jump from German language shit well, you to can, college but... football to to philosophy and shit." Because people, you know, you got to build a following, well, you know, niche, you know, niche down. Either either talk about college football or talk about German language or talk about um, philosophy or religion. Yeah. But don't well, do you know, we're not monetized, so we don't have to worry <laughs> about that so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would love it if this is like the artistic podcast, which, you know, it's or it's like the Forrest Gump podcast. It's like you never know what you're gonna get. It's right, like a box right. of chocolates, man. You good old Forrest. <laughs> this, you know, you can almost call it. I mean, the 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 box of chocolates <laughs> podcast. Well, that's you know, <laughs> you know, that's certainly an option. It is certainly an option. Um, and my one listener who's hugely into hugely into what online businesses i'm sorry you, you come out there and she, I, and she's I, hugely and into I what love her and she actually oh uh, okay she's okay. into marketing she loves online marketing that's her her, her thing and i love her for that and uh, she okay. might be the only listener we have and then she told me like she said she said michael don't say that because well, it's not anyone knows no one knows her listening i have no idea who she is well, no, 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 but but she's like, she feels like, what am I doing right. wasting my time on this, right? Well, I would say, why do you waste your time on any fucking well, podcast? You know, that's, <laughs> see, that's part of the problem with podcasts is that, um, you know, you, you send me a link to a podcast, and I've got six other people send me a link to these podcasts, and they're all an hour and a half long. <laughs> you know, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you summarize this? I, yeah. Yeah. It's like the German. I, there's a tie in here. I just got this German guy that I know for 30 years almost now. Mm. Uh, he still lives in Berlin, which actually he lives in the former East Germany, which is All a right. lovely story in and of itself. And he, he, hate, he think he's been talking about America in decline since 1990 when I worked with him in Berlin. It's like, oh, America, you guys are okay. collapsing. It's the Roman Empire. You guys are just collapsing all this shit. So now he looks for that. So it's clear. Anything. So he sent me a video this morning of like oh, Noam Chomsky. Oh Noam, Noam Chomsky right? He did. Isn't he dead? Right? So, so Isn't I'm Noam like, Chomsky dead? What? He should be. Probably yeah. is. Probably is. Which makes the next, which makes my next uh, statement even more ironic. So he sent me a few videos the last couple of days and I'm like all about American decline and all this shit. And, and then t this, this is, this goes back to the comment you made. I'm going to tie it into when, remember that woman who is dead as well, Maureen, who worked in Honeywell. She's dead? Oh, he mentioned the company. What the hell? So yeah, they worked in, she, she passed away from cancer, but remember how we we were in this building and all we did was defense business like we were making like 90 percent of what we did was defense contract. And, <laughs> and yet yeah. people working there are like hate the government and, and they hate and the military and they're like well we we should we should yeah we shouldn't spend this much money on defense and you're like the you're doing the logical conclusion is like 
wait a minute. Do you realize your fucking job is because of defense? Yeah. Right? I can remember when I worked to work there so, back in the late 1980s. Our primary contract was building uh, tank engines. And there were, there were people there who were who were yeah, moaning yeah, and groaning yeah. about the military. Military expense. You don't, you don't seem to mind being the recipient of those expenditures. You know, you know, ninety-eight point five percent of what we do in this building is is army tank contracts. So, wow. So it took me a while to it took me a long time to understand this thing called yeah. cognitive yeah, sure. biases, right? So it's, it's a fascinating subject, and I just sent the German guy. Look at this Wikipedia thing. There's a thing called cognitive bias. I first probably heard cognitive dissonance, which is a complex subject. But it turns out there's like 25 or 30 different cognitive biases yeah. and cognitive dissonance. It's just one of them. But um, let me let me let me get this punchline oh, yeah, yeah. on the Noam Chomsky thing. Okay, so so I'm reading. I, I, I like okay. I'll watch this freaking video. And it's like the very first subtitle of an hour and 12 minutes, just like you're saying. I'm not going to watch an hour and 12 minutes or something. Well, if it's the only one, Noam Chomsky. I might watch it, but I get six but, of them I, every other day. I can't. <laughs> yeah, well, well, so check this out. Check this out. The very first subtitle that comes on the screen within 30 seconds was, oh, Noam Chomsky. Um, <laughs> widely regarded as the most influential intellectual in certain (laughs) probably is regarded as that (laughs) well i'm like just stop right there just stop right there i don't know who the i mean i've heard some vague references to noam chomsky but to to be to be so audacious as to start out this thing with a statement that he's the most uh, widely regarded as the most influential intellectual of our time. That well, is so you know, he, loaded he with bullshit. He probably didn't okay? And what I mean by that is who, who's why, well, no, who's widely uh, regarding him that? Why do I care if those Wait, people regard him as that? And does it matter? How about, how about a dead intellectual from 1700? Couldn't they be? Well. Just as influential. Well, they usually one from two hundred years ago. Arguably, <laughs> see, they say arguably. It's it's sort of like if if you get arrested, then the press has to say he allegedly did something. So that that, that keeps them from a libel suit because they didn't say you did it. They said you you allegedly did this. So so this gets into cognitive biases because. He starts the shit out. And you got to remember who sent it to me. It's this German guy who's been working for 30 years in the corporate um, aircraft. The former East Germany? So. He is a Western. No, he's a West German. And his sister's married to his sister, who he's kind of bitter about, has lived in the United States for 30 years because she married a U.S. Air Force pilot, you know, hanging out in Germany, right? Married, Married his sister and brought his sister to the promised fucking land. And he's bitter because he still lives in Germany. So he's trying to find reasons why Germany is so great and why America sucks, right? He's looking for it. He's looking for reasons why America sucks. So the first 30 seconds of the video, now now the great one, 
the great one, the most widely regarded intellectual of our time starts out the very first sentence, income inequality. And I just like laugh my ass off. I'm like, dude, do you realize just like that, the defense business, he, there's a building with 2000 employees in the former East Germany right now. Every day they come into work, they are working purely for the Uber rich. Those engines are on 75 to $90 million corporate jets that nobody can buy except for the extreme wealthy. So that, that, that factory wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for income inequality. And that's where cognitive dissonance comes in. How could you possibly see that every day you go in and all you're doing is building engines for Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk? You see, they, they, that, that same crowd thinks that purchase price, particularly of what, for lack of a better term, let's call them luxury items like automobiles. If if I make a hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year, and you make fifty thousand dollars a year, then they think that I if I pay if I pay forty thousand dollars for this automobile, you make half of what I do, so you should only have to pay twenty thousand. <laughs> How does that economic model work exactly? The hell with cost of goods sold or any of that shit. Let's let you out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I, well i i sent i sent him a note back i'm asking his wife to read i hope he gives these to his wife because i think his wife's probably more sane like she's probably more like oh i get what michael's saying michael's saying that without income inequality nobody would be able to buy a corporate right. jet for 90 million bucks so all of our jobs here our whole fucking life the last 30 years is dependent on um, the uber rich. And on top of it, where are 80 to 90% of those airplanes? They're in the fucking United States, pal. So you better hope as hell that America never goes in decline because nobody will be buying the fucking corporate jet engines. You know, the U.S. Congress with Pelosi and her crowd, they want to impose super duper luxury taxes on all that stuff. So what do these people do? They buy, they buy their luxury yachts in Madagascar and the things never see the shore of the United States that so they fly their corporate jet over and get on the boat, you know, it's so that the company can't tax something that's never here. I mean, th- these people, they didn't get to be this way. Well, of course now you and I, you and I are missing the boat because we know they all inherited that money, but the, that aside, People didn't get to be this way because they aren't <laughs> yeah. clever about how to work the system. Yeah. Well, no, I love uh, Starbucks, the Starbucks story guy, the Howard Schultz. Uh, you know I don't know story? the specifics. So he, he grew up poor in like the Bronx in New York, like a run, you know, a government funded <laughs> building. I didn't know this about the guy. So the, the guy that started Starbucks and has made it into this massive, unbelievable company right because like in, in america almost there's so much stuff happening at starbucks People that's where the germans there night was at the starbucks a new starbucks network yeah so the guy that started that started out dirt poor so and that's an awesome story and and so this gets into abundance mentality versus a fixed mindset 
So a fixed mindset is that income equality is good. Like we should all, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a danger there because every human being is valued. But for some reason, if you let, if you let value be associated with your net worth or your, your dollar value, well, then of course you're going to say, well, he's got a net worth of $5 million. I've got a net worth of a hundred thousand. That doesn't mean he's like 50 times more valuable than you are. You're still a human being. It's just, why are we basing human value on their fucking does he think uh, does he think the Easterman model of putting your name on, in a queue and waiting 15 years for for a plastic trabant is the way we should be doing things do you think that's a good idea no i, I don't know because i don't think so I mean, he loves the western shit he goes on holiday in italy and shit with his friends see this this is like he's like yeah, huge he, he doesn't mind being the beneficiary of, of capitalism, mind. but he hates capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it, what's funny is I, a deep dive on him, uh, General, is so funny. He he lives like 10 miles from West Berlin. Okay, so he's in the east. In a town called Rongsdorf, right? So you, got, so you got to imagine, you look it up on the map and you go like, this is a little village. That has been there since like 1900. World War II came along and fucked everything up, and so now they're in East Germany. So now you got all these Germans who really didn't choose to be communists, but they had to adapt. So then they they get (laughs) so they become commies because the World War II, and then the wall comes down, and here comes my friend Jens moves in from West Germany, and he builds a fucking beautiful house amongst commies. Right. And his his neighbors have commie homes from like 1920. And those homes like have not been taken care of because it's commieville. They don't, what the fuck? They don't care about right. upkeep of their house. Right. So so he he's like the perfect example. If you could just like stand in front of his fucking house and look at it, and go, wow, this house was built in 1998. It's fucking beautiful. Oh, house two door down. That was built in 1920. It was pretty good in 1920, but you had World War II, commies, and now it looks like shit. Well, it's, <laughs> there was a few years ago um, in Seattle, the, the Shell Oil Company was pushing um, a, a drilling platform out of the harbor, out offshore. And uh, there were probably 100 kayakers in the bay protesting you know the the irony is lost on these people you know these are these are kayaks that many of which contain substantial amounts of petroleum product and you're sitting in sitting in a petroleum-based product (laughs) a petroleum company that's just doing your bidding is all they're doing it was like this who was who was this this Norway was it Norwegian or Swedish Finnish girl who spoke at the UN? I mean, how did she oh, did she get to yeah, Washington yeah. on some corporate yeah. jet that uses eight hundred pounds of fuel an hour or something? You know, it's just I, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why take a sailboat across the big ocean so to get here. Left last last October and showed up in time for the meeting. It's but the challenge is the cognitive bias sells with people that have 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 swallowed the bill of goods they've been sold you know they're you know and that's who they're talking oh, yeah. to they're not talking yeah. to people like you and me 
because they know we're called called bullshit on them. So yeah, so we're not we're not there. Yeah, well, and they would they would just and and they would say instead of us calling bullshit at them, they would say, "Oh well, you're just a capitalist yeah. pig." And, I mean, is, is this cognitive bias? Is it similar bias. to is it similar to uh, confirmation bias? Yeah, so confirmation bias is one of yeah. the cognitive biases. So, so the framework is on Wikipedia. You type in cognitive biases, and it takes you to a Wikipedia page. Different list. And there's of like them. thirty different. And con- confirmation bias is one. One of my favorites now is attribution bias. Really I love attribution bias. So, yeah. So you can you can look at any news program now and see and go, oh, well, that's attribution bias. For example, everybody thinks Trump was like fucking trying to torpedo Biden's 2020 presidential election aspirations by, hey, could you look into Hunter Biden and see if he's like, you know, corrupt, right? So so they want to attribute the worst to Trump. So they're going to say, oh, well, Trump is doing that because he's afraid of Biden in 2020. And he's trying to, you know, get dirt on his political opponent. But that's just an assumption. That's just an assumption, right? Nobody really knows why he's doing it. They can't read his mind. So, so now I look at every article and I filter it through, oh, well, that's attribution bias. You don't really know so why that, Trump said any of that shit. You don't, you know. <laughs> and I say I have my attribution bias is I'm going to attribute the best to Trump. I'm going to say, you know what? Trump's looking after the American interests. He doesn't like that we're like a swamp and he wants to drain the swamp. And you know what? Draining the swamp in D.C. includes stopping corruption, whether it's in Ukraine or China, wherever the corruption is that an American is participating in. Hunter Biden is not representing the U.S. in the best way. He's like getting grabbed. He's not an, he's taking he's advantage not, of he's not an official representative. And anyway. that's just corrupt. Yeah. So so I attribute right. to Trump the best motives. The best motives are let's clean up the corruption people. That's it. That's it. I attribute Trump best motives. Right. Other people are attributing the worst motives, right? Like he's trying to F with the election. But he's not. So all this impeachment debate and shit is all going to be, nobody's talking about it on TV, but it could be simplified to, okay, you're attributing the worst to Trump that he's messing with the election. You can't read his mind. So where's the evidence? And like, <laughs> oh, well, I got Adam Schiff. Yeah. Oh, I got evidence. Oh, look. I, <laughs> and he, even that Vindeman guy, the Vindeman guy or whatever that testified, again, it's like Vindeman, you heard the conversation. You actually are in in imposing your own interpretation of the conversation this is well known right people can see the so same I'm, thing and come to different conclusions so vindman's vindman's come to the conclusion that oh trump's trying to mess with the election how, there's no really evidence of that but it's in it's in it's in well, vindman's head in this it's in this whole head, not trump's head. um this whole collection of lily pads this is stealing from uh, big bang theory but where where sitteth the toad of truth on all these lily pads of this attribution bias and this one and this one? Where do we find truth and how do we find it? Or does it even exist? Well, I I don't think it's it's because everybody's makes up their mind. 
That's why 60 some million voted for Trump and 60 some million voted for Hillary. There's no right. I mean, that, that's un, un, that's why I say, like, do you, when they slam Trump and, and say he's so evil, you basically have to say that. You know, and I don't think, his, I don't think his whole motive for voting for him. would be to bring down his uh, main political opponent. I, I mean, that, that just seems too obvious, but it, it certainly is a benefit of the process. But I think, I think, you know, how Trump, his general personality is that he's like super confident and he, he just feels like yeah. he's right about every fucking thing. Right. He's like, he's the, he's the most amazing, bold ass dude ever. He's just like refuses to admit any error. Yeah, and that causes a, no, he that causes a problem mistake, with his hand. Right. Too. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I wish he would grab hold or somebody would of his attribution bias because nobody can read his mind. This, it's impossible, right? Why? It, what's his motivation? You know, is it real? I mean, and, and, and because there's a questionable decision about whether his motives were pure to like eliminate corruption or was it to mess with the election, we just don't know. And in fact, a crime is not committed unless you have some kind of evidence or a dead body, right? So theoretically, you'd have to wait till after the election that Biden would have to run against Trump, lose, and then you could say, "Oh, well, Trump." Well, and we did. We've we have seen and heard video, audio proof of Biden bragging about how he went to the Ukrainians and said, "Well." We're not. We, the U.S. government, is not going to send you this money we promised you unless you fire this attorney. And he's bragging about this. Yep. We we pulled we pulled a New York City mob job on that guy. <laughs> so so the people so the people that listen to that that don't like Trump and love Biden for some reason they're using one of the thirty cognitive biases. It's like. They ignore well, it. They, they ignore they it. Well, and, and of course, right. see the part I of the part what. of the issue is when when Biden was vice president, the uh, the wilting fourth estate in this country were already and had been for some time political activists who supported him and his administration. They're not about to raise that flag and say, "Well, you know, this causes us a little concern." Yeah, if <laughs> I know, and then. The first, the first couple of weeks that that argument was put out there, people said, "Oh, well, Biden was clear to that shit two years ago. Yeah. That, that 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 was he's clear yeah. to that." I'm like, "Oh, really? He is." Well, I, I don't. If see you know, if if Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice had done the exact same thing under under George Bush, oh, we'd still be we'd still be hearing about it. It's a uh, yeah, yeah. So, so this is politics, and this is the podcast. I just, I'll go back to the German guy for a second and just get a German word. Nightish, nightish, nightish. It's like this is what Jens is sort of doing, my friend. He's kind of like they. He goes every day, and he's like building engines for the uber rich. But then he's jealous of the uber rich. He's like, uh, what's what's so special about Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? Uh, I'm just as good as they are. And he is. Right. He right. is just as good. He's a human being. Right. So but instead, he's like feeling like he should have billions of dollars. Because somebody else has it. And so he's still chasing. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's chasing. 
that. He, but he's cognitively biased like do it. He doesn't realize he's doing it. So he doesn't like it if I point it out to him. Like nobody likes to have somebody else point out your right. cognitive biases or whatever, right? <laughs> and people that hate me are going to say like, well, Michael, you have cognitive biases. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. I mean, that you're pro- kind of hard. Right, I do. Well, there's, okay. there's, another, there's another word <laughs> for, uh, for nightish that, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Um, it's it's called eifersüchtig. I was neidish and oh, neidish and eifersüchtig. Oh, I don't know if you've. I just adopted in the yeah. last six months to the Apple Music, and I don't know if you have a music service. But remember how we used to buy albums? I, and yeah, I bought a lot, a lot of CDs of from the stuff, right? from the Musical Heritage Society for years. It was a subscription group, and they would send you every month. There was a a selection that you got as part of your membership, but uh, you could send it back or log in and just refuse it. But I I, I, I built a pretty good collection of things uh, by being a member of that. So I resisted this whole it's new a, world of. Sorry. You know, uh, subscription music, subscription. So, so now I'm a, I'm a big believer in it. So right. I pay like ten bucks a month, and I can get just about any album yeah, I want. So you mentioned Eifersüchtig, right? Eifersüchtig, right? So I was, I was so glad you brought that up. There's a great German singer named Max Rob. I think we've talked about him before, but he's got the okay. Palace Orchestra in Berlin, and he sings okay. in the cabaret style. So if you had a if you had a subscription to music like Apple Music or Spotify or something, you could just go, oh, I'm going to listen to that, and it wouldn't cost you anything other than your monthly thing. But you can you have access to like all this music. So even if classical music, there's probably, in other words, it was a mind shift change for me. That I don't know if you've gone through that mind shift yet, but if you if you pay ten bucks a month, you get every anything. Right. And music wise it's awesome so if you're doing like all of a sudden you get your your choral group says we're going to do box 12th symphony or whatever number would blah 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 that you do not have a copy of right let's say you don't have a copy of it you just push some buttons on your phone all right. and you download it for free you know essentially for free you're not spending 10 bucks for a cd or something and uh anyways i for zeus to get mensch so I'm listening to Max Rob, really fun guy to listen to, mm. especially German. Like since you love German, he, he enunciates mm, all awesome. the words very well. So when he when he's singing, you can hear like really good German pronunciation, and okay. his music is just kind of fun. He he just he sings about like Fahrrad, one of my Fahrrad. favorites is Farad Farn, and I it's just. Well, there's also there's a youtube channel called easy german that's <laughs> oh, uh, that's worth listening to they they have little short six to ten minute videos that if you're if you're trying oh, to learn well, I, well i'm trying to tie yeah i'm trying to tie music into it because i know you like music and singing so he's got like yeah, we, easing, I, we probably don't need to do this shined. People, will, hey, that's one way we could monetize. People will send you money not but, to sing. <laughs> but I, I, I sing. Yeah. My favorite time to yeah. sing is when the moon. Yeah, is so out. like a dog. Isn't that great. 
And he, so anyway, so, so bringing it back to Eifersüchtig, he's got a song called Ich bin ein Eifersüchtiger Mensch. Eifersüchtiger Mensch. Which helped the audience out. I'm a what jealous man. I'm a jealous person. Yeah. There you go. There envious, you go. envious or jealous. Eifersüchtig. He's got a really sweet. Uh, and then he's got a really fun song for the ladies, for the women. He's got a song that says, um, Du bist zu viel schön. Oh, you're too beautiful for alone. just one one man alone. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm assuming he's moving in on some other guy's woman and said, You're too so for pretty the- for him to have you all by himself. You need to share something. <laughs> yeah, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> yeah, but he. <laughs> Max Max Rob R A A B E. Max Rob and the Palast Orchestra. Yeah. yeah, and you can look up Eifer Zutiga Mensch and you can listen to his song and go like he's just kind of crazy, but he sings in that 30s style, 1930s cabaret. So he so was a West German. He was born in Lune in, in North Rhine-Westfalen. The Palast Orchestra. And he, he's like, he stands there. He's got a brand. His brand is 1930s tuxedo. So he stands at a big yeah. microphone, like the 1930s. And he just sings. And it's like, that's his brand, which doesn't fit in 2019, theoretically. Right? doesn't fit are you still there yes i'm here dr Wu. but uh, we're hey we're 47 minutes into this so uh, yeah we're gonna end up always good it's been a pleasure though any closing you want to wrap i just uh just vote early and often um is all i can say their their elections Tuesday. Where we I will cover this briefly. We 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 have a mayoral election here in my little town where I live, and there are people. This this shows you the state of mind of thinking. There are people who don't live within the city limits who are upset because they don't get a voice in who the mayor is. Right. And I said, you know, they're they're and I, I did some research on this. There are like three or four states that have exceptions where they allow people who don't live within a political jurisdiction to vote in those elections and one of them i want to say is it's either in arizona or new mexico and and the exception is let's let's say you you know you don't live you know you don't live in in tucson but you own rental property in tucson so you're so you you are economically affected by decisions that the local utility boards make in tucson so as a property owner within Tucson, okay. Okay. even though you're not a resident there, you would be allowed to vote in the elections for membership on those boards who represent you as a property owner. But you can't vote for the mayor because you don't live there. But it, it just yeah. astounds me that there are people. That's how much lack of understanding. I said, well, you know, I, don't, I don't live in Canada. Do you think I should be able to vote in their presidential election? I mean, what, what? And there, listen, there's a move. There's a move in this country to allow – resident foreigners to vote in elections because the, you know, the, the, the word is, well, they're affected by who gets elected. You know, I'm sorry if they want to have a say, so 
they need to become citizens and be full bona fide participants in the system, not just part-time participants in it. So, so anyway, that's, that's the latest. That's what right, I'll finish with. Right. Just ponder that. But Tuesday, Tuesday is there are a lot of municipal, we have, you know, uh, city councilmen and mayor and uh, utility board members and all that sort of thing. And the people that live across the line, which I can see from my back porch, uh, they're upset that they can't vote for people that represent me. Yeah. <laughs> said, well, you know, you need to either get your property annexed yeah. or move. <laughs> so. Well, that's awesome. I, I really yeah. appreciate having you on as a guest to the, to the highly listen to buddy's yeah, owner schnoodle. arizona schnoodle walks my community is there an easy way to publish things like if i have a friend that, that he, he asked i have a friend who asked me he said have you done any more 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 podcasts and is there a way is there a way to capture the link and send it to him well yeah i'll i'll send you the link that i, I okay. can publish it i just push a button when we're done and give it a title. So help me title this podcast. Uh, what do you want to title this, baby? What should we? I don't know. Title? Sunday Ramblings. <laughs> okay, I'll come up. I'll come up with some. Okay. I'll title it, and then I'll send you the link. All right. And then you can Sounds forward good. the link to anybody. But if you if you you can find it on iTunes, and just search mm-hmm. under Buddy's mm-hmm. owner, Arizona Schnoodlewalks, and then it I don't, I don't have iTunes. Paid so order, right? Me. So then you. Oh, okay. Well, Spotify too, or whatever okay. you, if you have anything, Stitcher. It, it's 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 amazing now. Right. Remember how we did the Google Hangouts, which basically was one right. location. You could only find it on YouTube. Now, now this thing gotcha. sends it out to like ten different podcasting sites, and it's just for free. Well, I I uh, <laughs> I will wait for that with bated breath. Okay. Awesome. And uh, shout out to the listeners. If I do a spontaneous invite and I ask you to be my guest. Well, yeah, it's just the, the problem is spontaneity well. in, in participating is it doesn't work well for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. Probably Obviously, it's a good time many. for you, but, uh, you know, I, I just can't. You know, yeah. I, I can't or I'm not going to drop what I'm doing uh, to. to to be your most honored guest. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. You, you betcha. Okay. Well, right. it was a pleasure. It was very nice. You too. We'll, we'll, uh, you have we'll a catch wonderful up. wonderful week. See ya. Okay.